And Lord, I pray that you'd help me now as I preach. We want to talk about spiritual gifts. And I pray that you'd give me wisdom. Uh, bring wisdom into my mind that I haven't even, haven't even seen in the word yet, Lord. If, help me not to say anything that would be wrong or inaccurate. Help me to be in accord with your scriptures. And help us, because of this time this morning, to grow as a church in earnestly desiring spiritual gifts and experiencing spiritual gifts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. We'll be looking at chapter 12 through 14. Powerful passage on spiritual gifts. Now, if you need a Bible, though, let me just encourage you, go ahead and raise your hand. We want to bring one to you so that you can look on this passage with us. We're passionate about studying the scriptures here at Mercy Hill, and so we want you all to have a Bible open that you can look on, look on with us. If you're a follower of Jesus, then what that means is that at some point in your life, something very powerful happened. It means that at, at some point in your life, you received Jesus into your life as your Savior and Lord and treasure. I think it's a helpful way to summarize it. You received him into your life as your savior, which meant that you saw his death on the cross as payment, just like we celebrated with communion this morning, payment for all of your sins, and that his resurrection power has changed your heart so you love him, you trust him, and that there's growing righteousness in you because of his resurrection power in you. So you receive him into your life as your savior, first of all. Love him as your savior. It also means you receive Jesus into your life as your Lord. He's God. He's creator. Your creature. He's creator. Massive difference. He has rightful authority over you, besides the fact that he's infinitely loving and flawlessly wise and perfectly good. And so you receive him as your Lord. Jesus, from now on, you are the boss. I want to obey you, submit to you. You're my king. I'm the subject. You're, you're the king. And so you receive Jesus into your life as your Lord. And then, third, you receive Jesus into your life as your treasure. You don't just bow. But he fills you and he satisfies you. There is no joy anywhere in the universe that compares with the joy of knowing and loving Jesus Christ. There's no joy. It's incomparably satisfying. You know that by experience. You haven't been satisfied by any of that stuff fully yet, have you? Truth be known. But when you taste and see the goodness of the Lord, you're you're satisfied. You're filled. So following Jesus means receiving, knowing Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, and your heart-satisfying treasure. And when you know Jesus in that way, lots of results, but one of them is you're committed to advancing his mission. Advancing the mission of Jesus. To help brothers and sisters be loved and encouraged and strengthened in him. And to relieve suffering wherever you go, especially eternal suffering, the worst kind, through showing who Jesus is as Savior and Lord and treasure and speaking the truth of the gospel. And so, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you're devoted to advancing Jesus' mission. And the beautiful thing is you're not on your own here. He says, I'll be with you always. And he promises that the Holy Spirit will give you what are called spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit will give you spiritual gifts to enable you to advance the mission. And that's why we're so passionate about pursuing and experiencing spiritual gifts here at Mercy Hill Church. Let's give you a quick example. I was at a home group a while back. 
And across the room, there was a young man. And, and during the course of the home group, I could tell that he was really agitated, very troubled, disturbed, upset. And when, when, when I was able to, I, we, I just said, hey, let's, let's go back into the back part of the house because I was concerned about what was going on. And, and as I was walking back there, I was, just, I was just saying, Lord, help me to, I don't know what's going on, help me to help this brother. And this thought came into my mind, just, he's sleeping with his girlfriend and I'm convicting him of his sin. That's why he's so agitated. <sighs> now what do I do, you know? Now, just, just a little, a little parenthesis here. Followers of Jesus love sex it, with their wives, okay, or their husbands, all right? We're not embarrassed about sex. We're not prudish about sex. You know, sex is God's idea. He's not like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? You know, he, sex is, is his idea, okay? He made our bodies to experience pleasure and intimacy in that way. This is his good gift to us. He loves when a man and a woman, monogamous for life, commitment in marriage, enjoy his gift of sex, okay? He's not, anyway, all right, so enough on that. But, so I just want you to understand, but a rich gift that's as intensely wonderful as sex is, um, was meant to, to thrive in the context of marriage. Monogamous for life, Marriage. I kind of thought about fire as an example. Fire is a wonderful gift from God when it's in the fireplace, right? Or in the fire pit. But if you just have like a fire in your house and there's no fireplace or fire pit, all of a sudden what is a wonderful gift causes problems, right? Put it out, okay? All right, so enough said on this. You got just a little parenthesis about sex there so you don't misunderstand. But anyway, so I'm walking back with this guy and I feel like God says, he's sleeping with his girlfriend and I'm convicting him. And so I, I just, I said, you know, um, I don't want to be accusatory, but I feel like God has, has said the reason you're so upset is because you're sleeping with your girlfriend. And he just, he just broke and he, and he just said yes. And so we prayed, he repented. God met him, cleansed him, transformed their relationship. So that's just a little example about why we are so passionate about pursuing spiritual gifts here. Because in every ministry situation that you're in, God will give you everything you need to advance the mission in the way he intends for you to advance his mission. And spiritual gifts is a huge part of that. Now, one problem, though, is that we come from all kinds of different backgrounds. I mean, you may have no church background at all, okay? You may have a, a church background where, spirit, where um, like the supernatural side of spiritual gifts was way overemphasized, so like everybody's got to be speaking in tongues and every sin is a demon that's got to be cast out and um, every healing will be supernaturally healed if we just believe hard enough. Okay, so that may be from a church background which way overemphasizes the supernatural side of things. Or you may be from a church background which way underemphasizes the supernatural things. So spiritual gifts kind of become nothing more than just like personality strengths, skills, talents. Just normal things that everybody's, everybody can do. That's not helpful either. So what I want to do this morning is try to lay out um, a, a, what I think is a biblical, balanced approach to spiritual gifts. And, and I can't answer all the questions about spiritual gifts. I mean, there's just, I've got lots of questions I don't have the answers to. But the Bible gives us enough so we can connect the dots and move ahead biblically 
with and avoid some of the errors that, that, that can easily be fallen into. So the way I want to do this, I just kind of want to give you a paradigm of how spiritual gifts function in our individual lives and in the, and in the church. And the way I want to do this is by focusing on one gift, the gift of prophecy. See how that functions. Because I think that the way that the gift of prophecy functions is a paradigm for how all the gifts, I think, function. Now, there's lots of other gifts besides prophecy. Okay, In 1 Corinthians 12, we've got uh, discernment of spirits mentioned. We've got utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge. We've got healing. We've got tongues, interpretation. In Romans 12, we've got leadership and serving and giving. In Ephesians 4, we've got evangelism and prophecy and teaching and pastoring. There's lots of other gifts besides prophecy. But there's two reasons why I think, it, why I felt comfortable focusing on prophecy. One is, there's more written about prophecy than any other gift. I mean, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 has lots and lots of verses about prophecy. So we can really figure out how this gift functions. That's one reason I feel comfortable focusing on this one gift. Second reason I, I think it's okay to focus on it is because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Look at what he says. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 is all about the priority, the primacy of love. And so in 14.1, he concludes from that, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. So all of us are called to earnestly desire prophecy. You are commanded by Paul to earnestly desire to prophesy. What does that mean? Well, I'll try to, try to help you figure that out. So, that's why we're going to focus on prophecy this morning. And then, I, th- I hope you'll see how this applies to other gifts and gives us kind of a, of a course to, to run on. So, first of all, what is prophecy? Okay, if we're supposed to earnestly desire it, what is it? What is prophecy? And look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 29 through 31. We've got to put it up on the screen here. Wayne Grudem, who's a, has been a really helpful scholar to help, that I, I've raised, written two books on prophecy that have been really helpful to me. But he says this is a really helpful passage to uh, understand prophecy, and I agree. I want you to notice what happens in this, in this verse. First of all, in verse 29, he's talking about prophecy. And then in verse 31, he's talking about prophecy. In verse 31, though, he doesn't mention prophecy, but what he does do, he's still talking about prophecy in these three verses, he describes the gift of prophecy with different words, which is what a definition is. But if you're going to define prophecy, you're going to explain what it is with different words, right? So let's read it through and look at the different words that Paul uses to describe what prophecy is. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, 30, and 31. Paul says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Verse 30, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Now, did you catch the phrase in verse 30 where Paul is talking about the, prof- the, the gift of prophecy, but he doesn't use the word. Did you catch that? What's the phrase? I, anyway, I didn't hear anybody very clearly. Were you saying if a revelation is made to another sitting there? Is that what you're saying? Okay, good. All right. All right. Don't assume. So the gift of prophecy involves a revelation 
being made to you. Here's how Grudem describes. Let's go to the next slide. He says prophecy is, click, there we go. It involves telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Okay? So you're earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, asking God, God, give, give me prophecy. And all of a sudden, spontaneously, God brings something into your mind. You didn't logically come up to it. You didn't think, what could I say that would be appropriate here? Nothing wrong with doing that. Lots of times, that's the way God will work through us, is when we think and in light of the scripture and hear this person, will know what we should say. That's a powerful tool for ministry that we should keep using lots. But there will be times where all of a sudden, bing, a thought comes in your mind, like he's sleeping with his girlfriend and I'm convicting him of this sin. See, I didn't put two and two together. I had no idea. I had no reason to think that. But it it was there. So that's what the gift of prophecy is. It's where God will spontaneously have a thought come into your mind. Now, what are some of the ways that this might work. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.3. A lot of us automatically think that prophecy means foretelling the future. And that's possible. Agabus, in the book of Acts, um, we don't know how it exactly happened, but God had a thought pop into his mind that there's going to be a famine in Jerusalem. He knew this was from the Lord. He spoke it, and God enabled the church to help the believers in Jerusalem avoid the difficulties of the famine. But it's not just foretelling the future. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Paul says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So prophecy is any time when God has a thought pop into your mind, he he reveals something to you, you didn't think think it up, he gives it to you as a gift, and as you speak it, it brings upbuilding to people, it brings encouragement to people, and it brings consolation to people. So that's, that's how prophecy functions. Now, there's a danger with prophecy. You can see this throughout church history. There, I'm sure that this is happening today too. There's groups that get so excited about prophecy that they start to focus more on prophecy than they do on the scriptures. That is very dangerous. Listen, do you want to you hear God's voice like in the most clear and relevant and powerful way possible? Read the Bible. Okay? Read the Bible. This is the most precious revelation from God you will ever have in this life. The Bible. Okay? The Bible. What's the most precious revelation? The Bible. It is. It's clear. It's direct. It's the very voice of God. You'll hear God speak. This is the best Revelation, clearest revelation, it's supremely authoritative, it weighs everything else that we might think God's bringing into our minds, okay? So don't focus more on prophecy than you do on the scriptures. And let the scriptures be the authority over prophecy. If I came to you some Sunday and said, you know, God just had this idea pop into my mind and God is now saying that it's all right to love money. This is a great thing, okay? You'd, you'd, you'd say, you should all say, that's not from God, that's not a prophecy from God. I say, well, how do you know? I heard it. It's not what the Bible says. This is the criteria. This is the authority. Okay? So the scriptures are the authority. Now some might say, well, if, if there's a danger, why don't we just stick with the scriptures and, and not, not have God bring prophecy to us? You know why we can't do that? Because the authority of scripture says we can't do that. 
Scripture calls us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. Scripture says to do that. So if we're going to follow the Scripture and let it be our authority, we have to pay primary heed to the Scriptures and then earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. Does that make sense? Okay. What else did I want to say about prophecy? We pursue it for the sake of love. Okay, remember 14.1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We don't seek these things so that like, we can be a, a cool church or so you can be noticed or because this would be like really weird to have happen. Okay, It's for the sake of love. If you love your home group brothers and sisters, you will earnestly desire prophecy. If you love your brothers and sisters here, you'll earnestly desire prophecy. Quick example. I hope I get this story right, Dave and Michelle. When, where's Michelle? Is she here this morning? I know she was here. Anyway, is she back? All right. Junior high? That's right. Okay. Michelle came here from the Midwest and loved at her church in the Midwest singing on the worship team. Loved it. Just loved this ministry. Um, but when she moved out here, she was concerned that she not pursue that ministry out of a sense of pride or wanting to be noticed. And so she prayed and said, Lord, I'm not going to pursue it. If you want me on the worship team at the next church I'm part of, you need to tell the worship leader to ask me. Is that how it went, Dave? Okay. So Michelle's here, month after month after month goes by, and, and she's just patient just before the Lord. I don't know how long it went. Anyway, and then one Sunday morning, Dave was up here leading worship, and the thought came into your mind, Yeah. So the thought came into his mind that he should ask Michelle, has she been on a worship team before and would she be interested? And so you did it. You were obedient, did it that Sunday. And how did she respond? Yeah, she almost broke down crying. Okay. Now see, Dave got a revelation from God. He didn't think now, I, you know, maybe this, maybe she, it just came to him. It's a gift from God. And he was obedient and Michelle was blessed. Can you feel how, what, what an amazing thing? Oh, Lord, I laid this at your feet, and you've opened the door. Don't you love that? I love how that happens. And then Ernie getting this word that he shared before communion. So he walked up to me and said, hey, I, I, this is what I think God's saying. What do you think? And, and, and I said, okay, go ahead, and then just Tom will come up after you. And, and so, see, this is why this is important to us. This isn't the only way to be loving towards people. It's, it's one way, but it's a way that we're called to earnestly desire. So that's the gift of prophecy. Now, how does prophecy then function in our lives and in the church? When you study the gift of prophecy, I think you can kind of see three stages. I, I try to, I, hard time thinking of a word. I think stages is a good word. Three stages that prophecy flows through. And each of them involve the word are. I was going to say begin with the word are, but the, the first one is earnestly desire. Okay? Starts with an R. Earnestly desire. All right, we got to move ahead here. Thanks, man. Earnestly desire. So you can, again, look at it, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So you are called to earnestly desire. We are all called to do this. All of us. This is stage one. We're all called to desire all the gifts and especially to desire prophecy. So whether you've ever experienced this gift before or not, you're called to desire it, okay? Now, 
some people, I think really well-meaning people teach that you may have one or two or maybe three spiritual gifts that, that God's given to you, and those are the gifts that you'll have all your, all your life. Okay, you'll have two or three, one, two, maybe three gifts. And then what we're supposed to do is discover the gifts that we have. But especially thinking about this again this week, I'm not sure that's what, that's what Paul wants us to be focused on. Because Paul never tells us to discover our gifts. What Paul tells us to do is desire all the gifts. And that's a very different paradigm. Because if your goal is to discover what one or two or three gifts you have, then you look at your past and see what you've, your strengths and weaknesses you've had and whatever, and so these are my gifts. Paul doesn't say that. He says, earnestly desire all the gifts. Earnestly desire all of them. Especially that you can prophesy. So even if you've never experienced the gift of prophecy before, this morning, as you're, as you're earnestly desiring the gift, this might be the time when you, for the first time ever, will receive the gift of prophecy. And you'll share it, and people will be built up. Oh, that was awesome. Okay? So this is a different paradigm. I grew up in a church where the paradigm was, um, you know, you've got one, maybe two, maybe three gifts, figure out what they are, and don't worry about the rest. Do you see how 14.1 does not fit that model? blew me away when I first started to think about that. Anyway, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So here's what this would mean. You're on your way to Starbucks to meet with a brother, maybe, and so you're praying on the way, oh God, for the sake of love, I want to bless my brother in any way I possibly can. I want to help him, encourage him, strengthen him. So give me whatever I need now. I'm earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. Lord, I especially desire prophecy because you wanted me to desire that. Is there something you want to bring into my mind that I would not have thought of that as I share it with him, it'll be so helpful. It might be a verse God gives to you. It might be a vision. It might be just a word to say. It might be something about his circumstances. It might be asking him if he'll be on the worship team. You know, whatever it might be, okay? You just, you just don't know. God will bring it whatever the brother needs. Or you do the same thing as you're, you know, maybe you're driving home and it's home group night and say, Lord, for the sake of love, I want to bless the brothers and sisters at home group tonight. What do you want to give me? I'm earnestly desiring. Bring me your gifts, Lord, for the sake of love. Especially bring me prophecy. Something I could, I could speak. Or as you come here Sunday morning, as the home groups are all gathered together here Sunday morning, you're maybe taking time Saturday night to pray. Or Sunday morning you get up early just to get some time before the Lord. Lord, I want to, I want to bless the body this morning. So come and give me what, what might be encouraging to the body. So the first step is earnestly desire. And so we're all doing that. Then the second step Second stage is receiving. You move from earnestly desiring, and then there will be times, sometimes you'll receive. Not not always, but sometimes. And again, chapter 14, verse 30 is where we see the receiving take place. If a revelation is made to someone, that's where this person is receiving. This person, he or she has been earnestly desiring, and now God gives it. Now, if you earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, and nothing happens, you don't receive anything, you can be completely at peace. It's so freeing, right? Because you've done your part. Many Sunday mornings, I'm just I'm earnestly desiring during our spiritual gifts time, and I just don't get anything. All right. I did what I was supposed to do. God's going to bring gifts to somebody else this morning. That's a good thing. So you're just, no pressure. You're just at peace. When he gives you something, you speak it. When he doesn't, you don't. It's all good. All right? Now, how do you receive it? It doesn't like come with thunder or lightning or the earth splitting, that sort of thing. My experience, and I, I think this is borne out in scripture, 
is that it's something in the quietness of your own soul. You just all of a sudden, there's a thought in your mind. And sometimes I found that it's accompanied with a sense of the, of the Lord's presence, maybe. I don't want to press that too hard, but just speaking from my experience here. Okay. So that's how you know you have the gift of prophecy. I mean, think about this. How do you know you have the gift of prophecy? Well, it's because you're desiring and then you, you got one. That's how you know, right? And there's many mornings where I don't have a gift of prophecy and I don't share it. See how that works? You earnestly desire and then you have the gift. The, the, the way you know you have the gift is because he gives one to you. I, I, I just want to mention, again, part of my background was spiritual gifts questionnaires. And there may be some helpful ones, but, but all the ones that I'm familiar with, like they'll say the way you know you have the gift of prophecy is because you have a very outspoken and bold personality. Because weren't prophets outspoken and bold people? Well, I don't know. Were they? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Moses was a little on the timid side, right? And so I'm not sure that that's helpful. The Bible never says that anywhere. And then what about the people that are not outspoken or bold? Are you not going to earnestly desire prophecy? But Paul tells you to. And then you might get one, and then what's going to happen? The whole thing's messed up, okay? So that's why we don't use questionnaires here. I, I don't think they're helpful. I think the path is earnestly desire all the gifts, and then move in the path of obedience to the Lord in ministry, serving, loving, speaking, advancing the mission. And as you do that, you will find God bringing you giftings. There will be prophecy that will come, for example, and you'll speak it to a brother at Starbucks, and he'll be blessed. That, that, so how do you know you had a gift of prophecy? Because you just, you just gave one to me. That's how you know you have it. All right? Now, that's the second stage, receiving. But then there's a third stage that we also see in the Scripture. We see people in the Scripture called prophets. Okay? Well, who are, who are prophets? And my best understanding, just throw this out there for you to consider, is that prophets are men and women who regularly receive prophecies that are so beneficial that in the body of Christ, they start to be recognized as prophets over time. It's like, wow, every time she says something in our home group and shares like God impresses upon me, it's like really helpful. Every, and it's frequent. And over time, that person would be seen as a, a prophet. Okay, now, Oh, that's a whole other topic. Um, it's grassroots, it's functional, um, but it's real. And that's why they're described in, in, in the scriptures. Now, people who are recognized as prophets, okay, they're not able to prophesy at will. They can't just say, well, I'm a prophet, so I'm, I'm going to prophesy right now. No, what does it depend upon? Having a revelation made to them, Okay. So they may not have a prophecy today, and that's totally fine. It's, it's not under their control. God has to give it. The fact that somebody's a prophet doesn't mean that they start focusing on prophecy and neglect everything else. Well, I'm a prophet, so I'm, I'm not going to be involved in evangelism, and I'm not going to be serving other people. I'm just, just going to be a prophet. That's not right, because you're disobeying 1 Corinthians 14.1, which says to desire all the gifts, and you're disobeying all the other commands as well about evangelizing and serving and so on. And if there are prophets, we don't really have any yet. And, you know, this is an area where well, I could talk a lot about. There's, there's people who style themselves as prophets who are just scary, okay? And just like, 
Listen, any, this, is a, this is a church thing. They should be under the authority of some elders. Is there, is there an eldership that's affirming that this person has the gift of prophecy? Or are they just kind of self-styled on their own freewheeling? That's, there's a lot of that going on, and that's just not right. Anyway, that's a whole other topic, so maybe we'll go to that sometime. But for now, I just simply want to say that there's, that there's a, this three-stage focus. Earnestly desire, receive, and then recognize, and in time. So we don't have any prophets here yet, but, but I'm, I'm praying that we will. And I, I can't think of any reason we, we shouldn't pray for that and see what God does. All right, but, it, but when he does that, it's not that the rest of us are going to sit back and say, well, they're the ones who move in the gift of prophecy now, because we're all commanded to earnestly desire prophecy. All right. So those are three steps, three stages in the gifts. And let me give you one other gift just to... How are we doing here? We're doing great on time. Okay. Um, take the gift of evangelism. I want to show you how this paradigm works with the area of evangelism. And I'm not sure it, it, it works quite as well with all of them, but I'm just I'm trying to put a paradigm together here. In evangelism, uh, it all starts with earnestly desiring, okay? And so we, we're all earnestly desiring, God, gift me with evangelism. We are all earnestly desiring, okay? We're all doing that. God, please, give this to me. Make me bold. Give me wisdom. Help me. And then in, we're, in, we're in the path of obedience. So we're all seeking to love our neighbors, and care for people, and show Jesus to them, and speak Jesus to them. Okay, so we're, we're all asking God for the gift of evangelism, we're all earnestly desiring that, and we're all on the path of obedience. So there's the earnestly desiring part, stage one. Stage two, as you do that, there will be times in all of our lives where God brings a, I think this is how it works, brings a gifting of evangelism upon you. Like Tom Hatcher at the airport, or no, in the, in the airplane, with that woman he shared about a few months ago. Or um, Rick Park was sharing about, Rick was at an insurance training time down in L.A., and there was a guy there with a hurt ankle, I think it was, right? And he shared, he prayed for his ankle to be healed, and it wasn't healed, but he shared the gospel. And now that he's started to go to church up in the East Bay area, I think it is. Anyway, okay, there's a gifting of evangelism. Or when Michelle, um, who we talked about earlier, had dinner with somebody at her workplace this summer, there will be times, as you're earnestly desiring the gift of evangelism, and as you're walking the path of obedience, meeting your neighbors, connecting, sharing the gospel, that the Lord will bring a gifting of evangelism upon you. Somebody will get saved, powerfully touched. And then the third stage, there will be a recognition. There are people called evangelists, described in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And I think those are people who regularly experience giftings of evangelism, and people regularly, frequently are being saved through them. Now that does not mean they can turn that gift on and off by their own choice, it depends upon God. It doesn't mean they focus on that and neglect everything else that they're supposed to do. But they, they keep desiring all the gifts. They just keep watching God work in that way as well. And it doesn't mean that the rest of us sit back and say, well, they're the evangelists. We don't do evangelism because they do it. That would be wrong for us as well. So do you see how that paradigm works? Okay. Are there, are there a couple of like questions? Because like, sometimes people raise questions just like, yes, that's what I should have said. That would have been much, made it much more clear. Any, any questions? At this point, because what I want to do in a second is is move into a lab and do this together. But Ryan, that's a good question. The, the, the scriptures are not being given anymore. Yes, the, the, this is the faith once for all given to the saints is Jude. I forget what the verse it is in Jude. Anyway, and so scripture is no longer being written. 
because there's, there's no more apostles. Scriptures from the apostles, and the last apostle died out, we don't know exactly when, but it was in the first century. So why don't we hear prophecies like what Ernie shared this morning, and there's somebody in the background making sure they get it down word for word so we can stick it back behind Revelation. Why don't we do that? It's because prophecy is not at that level of clarity, at that level of authority, and we're, we're, we're never told to do that. That's why. Because the canon is closed, the last apostle is in heaven with Jesus now, so we benefit from prophecy, but we don't write them down and memorize them and study them like scripture. So the person who said, because prophecy is over, was half, was half right. Um, but this is, okay. Uh, in the Old Testament, I hope I'm not getting in too deep here, prophets were like New Testament apostles. Old Testament prophets are like capital P prophets. They are like New Testament apostles. Everything they wrote down, everything they spoke was written down as scripture. Isaiah, for example, okay? The New Testament prophets are different. It's the apostles, that word is used to describe those who write scripture, and prophets in the New Testament don't write scripture, don't speak 100% true truth from God. It's got to be weighed, judged, evaluated. It's for the moment. So yes, prophecy in terms of capital P prophecy, Old Testament is over. Yes, but small p prophecy is still going on, but it's not authoritative. We weigh it, we ponder it. If Jeremiah said, thus saith the Lord, do this in the Old Testament, you said, yes, sir, because God's speaking right through him. If today somebody says, you know, we don't really use the Sith, Lord, it's not that helpful, but I think God's, well, your job is to pray about it and to ponder it and to decide if it's from the Lord or not. Um, what what uh, Wayne Grudem, his comment on it, which has resonated with me and it's, it's fit my experience and others that I've talked to, is that there will be times when you have a sense that something is really, really, really from God and other times where you think it might be from God and so you share it appropriately. Okay? I mean, that's... It's in proportion to your faith. Okay? A lot of faith is from God. Small faith is from God. Yeah, so how do you tell? And um, it's trial and error. I mean, there's no uh, 100% clear criterion. Is it, is it in sync with Scripture, first of all? Okay? If, it, if it's in sync, if there's nothing in Scripture that disagrees with it, um, then you, you, you go with it and you test it. So you shared the interpretation at that black sheep meeting, right? And it was helpful for people, right? Yeah. You, you, and you, um, you go talk to the person. I mean, whenever the Lord nudges, whenever you have a thought to go talk to somebody about Jesus, go. Okay? Go. Uh, I, I, that's my rule of thumb. I don't always do it, but I should. All right? Yeah, that's what I meant by a sense of God's presence. Paul's saying, isn't there like a stirring in your soul? And, and I've experienced that. I don't want to make, make that a rule, because I've also shared spiritual gifts where I had no stirring in my soul, but it was very powerful, clearly. But that, that's, I, the Lord has helped me sometimes be more bold with a stirring. Oh, good. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 9 through. Yes, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, just really good, good question. That's right. Maybe that's behind part of Ryan's question. Thanks, Tom. First Corinthians 13. Um, I, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, but some people believe that prophecy has ceased like right now, like the prophecy in First Corinthians that we're talking about here, because Paul says, verse 8, 
Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. There will come a time when all spiritual gifts will cease. Prophecy, tongues, supernatural knowledge. There will come a time when they all cease. The question is, when is that time? Two basic views in the church today by God-loving, Bible-honoring people. Some think that the time when those ceased was with the closing of the canon, when the scriptures were written, with the ending of the scriptures, that that's when spiritual gifts all ceased. So it had been back in A.D., 80, 90, somewhere in there. Okay? I don't think that fits the context. I'll let you study it on your own. I think what's being talked about is the second coming. When the perfect comes, when Jesus comes back, that's when prophecy will cease and tongues will cease. That's my understanding. Is that that what you're getting at? Yeah. So you'll need to study that passage. I, I can't go into it now just for the sake of time, but you can look on some past sermons on spiritual gifts whenever we, maybe a year or two ago, we talked about that. But there was, there was one other hand up I saw. It's going to be real quick, though. And that reminds me, wasn't Lisa, was it you who were woken up at night when some of us were arrested in Morocco? Okay, right. And to have us to pray? Yeah, okay. So just another example of, of that. Okay, now, this is so exciting because what this means is... Um, I mean, we need to pursue these things with, with wisdom and thought and maturity and learning from each other, okay? But we need to pursue them, all right? The fact that these gifts are abused in some circles, what a tragic thing if we respond to that by saying, well, we're just not going to mess with it then. That is a tragic thing. We're not going to do that here at Mercy Hill Church. We are going to love the Bible. Oh, we're going to love the Bible, Okay, this is God's word. You want God to speak to you? Where do, we, where do we have God speak to us? Through the word. But if you have God speak to you through the word, what's one thing you're going to do? Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. If we're going to obey God, we have to pursue that thoughtfully, carefully, and biblically. And you will see God work in supernatural ways in your home groups and here Sunday mornings and at Starbucks or at the workplace. You'll see this happen. Okay, so what I want us to do right now is to do a little lab. And uh, just simply take some time. This might sound really weird, but I, the Lord, I trust our hearts are right. My heart, I trust is right. This is for the sake of love. But see, you might get a spiritual gift right now that somebody here in this room desperately needs to hear. See, this is how the body works. It's not about Dave and about me. Okay, We're, our job is to help a body arise and minister so God could give you the decisive verse or word to say or something that somebody else just like, oh, yes, and it just frees them or encourages them or helps them. See, this, this, God loves to work through the body. And so I want us to get stronger in this. See, this is why we take time Sunday mornings after, at the end of the the worship and song time, to just say, Lord, bring your gifts to us. And we do this in our home groups. Lord, bring your gifts to us. Because we're trying to honor 1 Corinthians 14.1. So I want us to do that right now, okay? So let's pray. And, And again, you don't need to do anything except earnestly desire and pray, and then God will do the rest. You might need to obey and stand up and say something, all right? But you don't need to make anything happen. Please don't, nobody here at Mercy Hill, don't ever, like if we have a morning where there's no spiritual gifts brought, I like those mornings. Do you know why? 
So it shows that this is real. We're not making something happen here. We've had mornings where no spiritual gifts have come, and Dave's had the wisdom to say, this is a good thing, because no one's pretending here. Don't ever come with a spiritual gift, because like, oh, Steve's nervous because nobody's saying anything, and I, and I don't want poor Steve to feel nervous. Okay? Tell me to repent if I'm feeling nervous, and then don't say anything to anybody else, okay? So don't make anything up. We just want to be open to the Lord here, and the Lord will work, and will move, and will gift, and will bless. So Lord, I pray that you'd come right now. I just pray for your, your presence and your power to be upon us, Lord, right now. And it's a little bit awkward. We're kind of like doing this lab here. But Jesus, we want to grow in this. For the sake of love, we want to grow in this. And so I pray that right now, would you bring your, your gifts upon individuals here right now? Just bring things to mind that they maybe wouldn't have thought of. And we're asking especially for prophecy because Paul tells us to especially desire to prophesy. So right now, Lord, I pray without us trying to make anything happen or being all stressed, but we, would you just come, Lord, and bring, bring a gift of prophecy to someone here right now? Just natural, everyday, but, but a gift from you, a revelation from you. Maybe more than one right now. So just ask the Lord and then wait, wait before him. And listen. And be at peace. He'll, if he's going to bring it, he's, he's, he's bringing it. You don't need to strive or stress. He may lead you to confess some sin. Okay, all right, confess it. Turn from that. That's, that's a sweet thing he's doing just for you. Lord, bring your power upon us right now, I pray. We earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially to build the body up with prophecy. Understandable, helpful words, scriptures, counsel. Bring your power, Lord. Glorify Jesus. Build your body. Advance the mission, I pray. This is the most clear revelation from God. This is the most precious, clear, powerful God speaking to you that you will ever know is the word of God. And the word of God tells us to do this. And so we obey. We say, okay, Lord, we want to earnestly desire, especially prophecy. So Lord, in obedience to your word, we here at Mercy Hill Church want to move ahead in this. I pray that we would do this, Lord, as we're heading to meet with a brother or sister to, to talk and pray. I pray that we would be praying along these lines as we're heading to home group. I pray that we'd be praying along these lines as we head here to Sunday mornings. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir all of us up. In fact, let me just pause for a second here. One other thing I wanted to say. For this time to really flourish Sunday morning, I want to challenge you don't just expect that the same people will receive gifts every Sunday. You need to be asking God. We need all of us working together in this. Okay, so I, I, want, I want to just challenge you, rise up in this. Uh, the reason I felt like I wanted to take a Sunday on this was because I feel like we've been getting a little bit lazy on this issue. And I want to tell you, stop being lazy. Okay, all of us need to earnestly desire spiritual gifts Sunday morning and be expectant. And just you've already seen the benefit that can come. Okay, so Lord, I pray, help all of us to be 
earnestly desiring as you command us to do. And strengthen us in this. And Lord, for the glory of your name and for the sake of love of our brothers and sisters and neighbors and people at work, would you pour out your gifts upon us? Thank you for this time this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.